Welcome everybody to the Extra Credit Show. I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. And we are back again with another podcast this week to help everybody master their credit score and get the extra credit that you guys deserve. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Learning today. Excellent, excellent. We have um, a, a fun couple fun topics. You know, as always, we like to cover credit-related topics, make sure that everybody understands credit. And in this week's show, we're going to um, jump a little bit into inquiries, but first we want to address a question that we received in an email and the, and the question led to the inquiry topic. So let's just jump right in. The question was uh, by one of our listeners, he emailed us in and he said, how can he get his cell phone bills, on-time cell phone payment history reported to a credit bureau? Wow. Um, and we kind of thought about that and obviously we complicated the heck out of that answer. <laughs> um, but I mean, the simple the simple answer is you can't. Right. It really you just you cannot um, get cell phone payment history reported to a credit report. But then we went on to talk about, well, I mean, cell phones do show up on credit report. They do. Verizon uh, now reports uh, direct collections, uh, meaning they themselves report the collection activity. And then you have the other big telecom companies, cell phone providers that also end up on credit reports, but they do it via collection agencies in the form of a third party agency. That's right. So. The good payment history you can't get on the report, um, but obviously if you don't pay it, it will end up on the report and it will hurt your score. So Which you don't is totally get totally unfair. You don't get any good credit for paying those bills on time, um, but you definitely will get bad credit if they send you to collections. And interestingly enough, um, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau released a report, um, and they said that more than one in five consumers had a telecommunications-related collection on their report within the past five years. Wow. And that's interesting. You know, obviously, cell phones fall in that category of telecom. Um, and, and that's just interesting that they're kind of watching that because it is unfair. You know, like you, you pay that on time for years and then it ends up on your credit report as a collection if you just, you know, have a slip up, I guess, or... Actually, what's been happening a lot lately, and a lot of our listeners can probably relate to this, for a while there, if you would jump from one company to the other, they promised to buy out your contract, oh, and then yes, that yes, never yes. happened, so then they got sent to collections for the contract. I think it was more a misunderstanding. Definitely. Because uh, they didn't technically buy out your contract, but they would give you a credit towards your bill. Um, and generally, that didn't happen immediately either. You had to be with their services for a period of six to twelve months before they actually gave you the credit. But they didn't explain it that way. Yeah, well, I and I, I know this because I went through it personally. But what they, what I ended up noticing was a twenty-five dollar credit on my bill for like ten months. Exactly. You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, there's your two hundred and fifty dollar buyout. Um, and so most consumers didn't read the fine print, it wasn't explained to them, or they didn't pry enough to find out that they don't actually send a check to your previous provider and say, here you go, you know, I'm paying this account off on behalf of, you know, bad credit Joe or good credit Joe. Um, but um, this is one of those things where where you as a consumer have to watch out for shady practices. Um, some of these consumers were literally misled by the salesman, you know, saying, promising them an actual debit card with money in it, you know, and, and that didn't happen. They didn't actually send you, most companies didn't actually send you a card. There are a few occasions when it happened, but that, that wasn't the norm and the consumers never received their card and they basically got, you know, screwed because they didn't have anything to pay the, the old telephone company with. Yeah. And, and so that's, I mean, 
I, I'm sure one of our listeners that that has happened to them, if not several. Um, so because it's a very common thing that we see. Um, the report goes on to say that the median telecom collection balance was four hundred and eight dollars. Um, wow. And 17 percent of telecom collections had balances exceeding one thousand. We see them all. We see four hundred dollar cell phone bills um, in collection. We see several thousand dollar cell phone bills in collection. It just depends on the size of your plan. Honestly, did you have four phones in the plan? Um, did you have one phone in the plan? And that's going to basically dictate that balance. Generally, it's it's higher than the four hundred, though, in my opinion, because well, not in my opinion, from what I see, because most today nowadays cancellation fees are three hundred fifty dollars. Yep. You know, and uh, and so you're generally going to see larger than four hundred dollars. Um, you're lucky if you get away with just four hundred dollars. Yeah, and you know, it's just. So there's that problem. And again, it goes on, you know, it's like they've identified that consumers pay for telecom on a monthly basis, whether it's cell phone, home phone, internet, right? Any of that stuff. Um, they pay for it on a monthly basis, but they don't report to the credit reporting agencies unless the account goes to collection. So we really think about that. Like, I mean. That's so messed up. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like the credit reporting system is it really as complicated as it is, they like to keep it really basic. And if the account is not really an installment or revolving in nature, it, it really doesn't make it on the report. Or third, being a collection, it really doesn't make it on the report. Um, so, you know, how would you classify a cell phone account? I mean, you do pay, pay on a monthly basis, technically the same amount. You classify it as a service agreement. You're being provided a service by a, a creditor, let's call it, and... Uh, you know, as long as you continue to pay for the service, they, they provide you service, you stop paying for the service, then you're done. The problem is you kind of are on a contract. Yeah. I mean, especially nowadays, you know, now that people actually finance the phone within the plan, you literally finance the, the cost of the phone and the plan. And, and that make, is an installment. And you loan. make installment payments on that. So, you mm -hmm. you know, definitely the, 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 the communication companies are acting as creditors creditors you know they're financing a phone they, they they technically should be able to report that i i guess i can say that they can report it i mean you we know that they actually can they're big enough that they can i feel like they just choose not to i feel that the 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 you know obviously the compliance issues that would come about imagine um if you're an executive at one of these big telecom companies and you look at to maybe the pros and cons of credit reporting positive history Right. Maybe, look, maybe we should take this up to an attorney to see if we can open a class action lawsuit. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you what the basis for it would be. That you have an installment loan that they are not credit reporting positively. But if you fail to pay, they do report you negatively. I just you know, we've talked about this, how um, <laughs> technically the, there, there's no law that forces a creditor to credit report. Correct. You know, Bank of America does not have to credit report. I'm playing devil's advocate here, guys. Yeah. So if, because they don't have to credit report, um, the law actually says if you do credit report, you have to report 100% accurately, right? So um, obviously we will find problems in that every day, but technically that's what the law says. So you look at AT&T or Verizon or, or Sprint, you go, why don't you guys credit report accurate? Or why don't you guys report positive trade line history? I, I personally feel, just my personal opinion, that it would be a compliance nightmare for them if they would have to bring in a new, open up a new Fair Credit Reporting Act compliance department to report 
to make sure that they're in compliance with it, the FCRA, I think it would just. But in the in the case of Verizon, technically they already are dealing with the FCRA because they report direct collections. So it wouldn't necessarily be a nightmare for them to actually start including the positive uh, trade lines. They're, they've already handled this. Right. You're right. I mean, you do bring up a valid point there about why Verizon chose to to take that on. I mean, clearly they stopped outsourcing their collections. They felt like they could collect better in-house. So mm -hmm. they saved the collection fees. Mm -hmm. And they felt probably that investing in complying with the FCRA was in their best interest. Now, actually, I'm going to have to uh, uh, disagree on that point simply because it was just yesterday I had a consultation with a consumer who had a Verizon account that was reporting directly from Verizon. And that same account was reporting with a debt collector. And it was recent. So I'm not sure if they actually stopped outsourcing their collections. No. So so what they do is they do in-house collections for a certain amount of time, and then they sell it. Yes. Um, so they, they, they just sell it a lot later in the collection process. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That's And that's pretty typical for a lot of creditors. Um, uh, so it's all the charge-off. So that's the, the way that that works. So, you know, going back to the question is, is can you put – Put that on the report. No, no, you know, technically you can't. Um, just make sure you don't go on the. You don't make sure you pay that on time so it doesn't end up on the report because it will end up on the report and it will hurt you. Um, it's a shame, but uh, to this date, that's how it is. You you can't force the credit bureaus to place this on your credit report. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about like how do you put stuff on credit reports, right? And there's actually a mechanism there. The the credit bureaus, as big as they are. You, they don't just allow anybody to credit report. There's no. actually um, a process there where you become a subscriber to the Bureau in order to furnish them with data. And the Bureau has to vet you. They actually do uh, like a uh, inspection on site. So they come out to your place of business to make sure that you're a legitimate place of business. And, and you know, they have controls and measures there to make sure that the data integrity that you supply to them is, is accurate. And, you know, you have to fall within their system and obviously, it costs money. Oh, you yes. You actually pay the bureaus money to report to them. Credit reporting is not free. So so it is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. So so not any, and not just anybody can just start credit reporting. You know, that's why most landlords don't just credit report. You know, we've talked about how to get rental trade lines on credit report in a previous episode. But technically, landlords don't credit report. Um, um, it I, I've forgotten all the specifics, what the guidelines were, but if I'm not mistaken, you had to have at least a thousand uh, uh, accounts to be able to to credit report. I'm not sure. You know, okay. um, th there's a couple of those guidelines guidelines floating around, um, and they may have changed. Since they probably then. have changed since back in our day uh, mm -hmm. when we were working for the collection agency. But um, I mean, it's 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 really a reciprocal relationship between a data furnisher and a bureau. The mm -hmm. bureau wants the data from the furnisher. And the furnisher wants to be able to pull credit reports from the bureau to make obviously good credit decisions. The data furnisher actually makes money off of selling this information that they already charge for. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that's that's the system. That's that's what's in place right now. So it's it's important that you understand it and know the way that it works. We're in the wrong business. <laughs> I think we're in the right business. I'm just. Kidding, I do guys. think we're in the right business. Um, so, but yeah, you know, going back to to cell phones, they're just. You know, do not um, get hung up on it. Don't even worry about it. There's plenty of other ways to build credit um, and have a great credit score. You don't need your, your cell phone bill to go on your credit report. So with that being said, though, I mean, technically, you could pay your cell phone bill late and it won't go on your credit report as a 30-day late. That's correct. I guess that's a benefit. 
but if you catch it up and don't let it go to collections after that so we're trying to find the silver lining in that um <laughs> so that's the way that that works and another question that we received uh I, ah, this one just threw me for a loop i haven't even told richard about it mm. so let's see how he reacts uh oh so the question is from a client he uh the question is this i have a question about inquiries reporting on my experian report in doing some reading i found this and then he quotes According to the Fair Credit Reporting Act, Section 604, a creditor should not have access to a consumer's credit information unless the individual himself gives written permission or unless credit access is court-ordered or requested by a state or local government agency in relation to child support. Underline written permission. None of these creditors had written permission. So does that mean I can dispute them and have them removed as a result of them not having written permission as this clause states. So I would need more information. Um, one of the missing elements here, or maybe that he doesn't realize, is that when you sign an agreement with a creditor, um, you do agree for them to credit report an account. Um, it's part of the clauses. You know, you also agree technically to have that account sent to collections and pay for any fees. There's a lot of stuff you agree to in that original agreement that you may not be aware about. Um, the credit bureaus do have the right to report that information and the creditor do, does have the right to furnish it to the credit reporting agency. Now, if you're talking about creditors that actually access your credit without your permission, like a soft inquiry, well, um, not everybody can see those inquiries. The only people that will see those soft inquiries are you. Or so am I misunderstanding I, the question? I think you are. The question specifically says... You know, if um, the creditor does not have written permission for me to pull my credit report. Okay. And he's specifically directing it at hard inquiries. At hard inquiries. Yeah. So what threw me up for a loop at this question is when he says, and he quotes section 604, that a creditor should not have access to a consumer's credit information unless the individual himself gives written permission. Okay. So, or unless credit access is court ordered or requested by a state or local government agency, yada, yada. So that, that was his question. And he says, I underline written permission. None of these creditors had written permission. Okay. So, you know, and I mean, that threw me for a loop for a split second because I was like, what? So, okay. So just to clarify, um, I'm just going to throw out names here. So let's just say AT&T. AT&T placed a hard inquiry on this individual's credit report and he never once applied for credit with AT&T. Written permission. Written permission. Th that's his question. So... He applied for credit, but he did not give written permission. Hmm. That is interesting. So the question is a trick question because you're assuming that his quote is accurate. Correct. But his quote is not accurate. There's the trick. That, that's what threw me for a loop. I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. I literally pulled out the book, went to section 604. It was the right section. He wrote, quoted the right section. But nowhere in that section does it say you have to have written permission to pull a credit report. So his quote was inaccurate. Huh. Like I literally said, I responded saying I, I would double check the source of that information. Nothing says that they have to have written permission. Huh. Um, Obviously, they have to have some form of permission, but not written permission. So, so that's where it was a trick question. And, I, and it, so, th this consumer, so this consumer, like ev you know, like everybody else, went online, found something that befitted his agenda, and he kept it. He and misconstrued it. No, he did not misconstrued it. It was just wrong on the internet. Like it was just wrong. I see. 
Okay, that makes a lot more sense now because I was starting to I was starting to question uh, if they if they even needed written permission. If that was the case, um, every creditor would be uh, in non-compliance. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I, I think this goes to show number one that if you find something on the internet that's in quotes, does not make it accurate, right? Um, he literally copied and pasted something, f who knows from where on the internet. But it befitted his agenda. To him, it was like, yeah, this makes sense. Sounds good. And to me, I was like, wait a minute. It sounds proper, but that doesn't, it's not the way this works. So I, I literally went to 604, section 604, looked it up and realized, yeah, this is this is just wrong. There's, you know, what throws you for a loop is written permission. Is it is it one of those uh, section 609 things? Yeah, it's another one of those. It's another one of those. Absolutely. It's another one of those where they just make something up and try to pass it off as right. Um, but the reality is that creditors have a ton of different ways to access your credit report. Mm -hmm. um, it's defined as permissible purpose. Mm -hmm. And if you go to Section 604 of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, there's like 10 pages that are full of permissible purpose and ways that they can access your credit report without your written permission. Pre-screened offers is one of them. So, um, you know, in an attempt to collect the debt is another. Exactly. Uh, credit review uh, is another. Um, yeah. the, you go, you apply online, and that's technically a way for them to author for you to authorize them to pull your credit report. Working for a government agency, uh, they also pull your credit report. Yeah. So, yeah, employment screening, right? Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a bunch of ways for somebody to access your report and it be legal and have permissible purpose under the law for them to access your credit report. Uh, they do not need written permission. No, they do not. You do not. not need to sign a paper, a document specifically saying that I give this person or this entity written permission, here's my signature, and keep it on file. Like, that is, it's not the way it works. So, you know, again, going back to just, guys, what you find on the internet is not accurate. I mean, if you come across a bit of information like this, where they literally quote the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you know, you're online already. Just go to Google the Fair Credit Reporting Act, go to Section 604, and just read it for yourself and see if this thing that was in quotations actually is a part of the text. Because if, in this case, it was not. And we've encountered many, many times where it was not. If you're going to look up the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you might want to go to a legitimate source like one provided by the Federal Trade Commission or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. That's how you know you're going to read a legitimate Fair Credit Reporting Act and not one that's been tampered with by people online. Yeah, they just, you know, they just made it up to befit their agenda. Exactly. I mean, it was partially correct in that they, cor they referenced the correct section and they actually uh, the other part that was correct is that one of the permissible purposes is unless credit access is court ordered or requested by a state or local government agency in relation mm -hmm. to child support. Mm -hmm. Like that's actual word for word from the section. Yes. But was not nowhere near the, in the section was individual himself gives written permission. So it was it was a trick question. Um, and uh, you reacted the same way I did where I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like. That sounds it right. Is. So you assume it's right. Like you assume the quote was right, but it's, it's, it was wrong. Um, yeah. And that's where it's, it gets, it, you know, it just kind of further goes like, all right, so you really want to double check. I sources. really wanted to pull out the book too. And I was like, hmm, yeah. that, 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 that can't possibly be right. But I just assumed that it was right. Yeah. So there, and that's the problem, you know, and consumers will, will, will believe that. Um, and so there you go. And then, so furthermore too, the, the client is, was extremely obsessed with his inquiries. Like he was just so upset about the inquiries. 
And guys, there's nothing to worry about. It is the least of your problems. It's 10% of your credit score at best. And, you know, inquiries, are, they don't affect your credit report uh, like any other account does. Uh, two years tops. One year is when they actually stopped affecting your score. Two years is when they come off. That's nothing, guys. You should not worry about inquiries. And especially since inquiries... Um, they get bunched up in groups if you're out rate shopping. Like if you're trying to buy a car, you can put a bunch of inquiries on your credit report. And depending on the model that the creditor is using, within 14, 30, or 45 days, they will be treated as one single inquiry. Yeah. Um, same thing for mortgage shopping. You know, Inquiries are so menial. And, and it's true. This is what most of my clients or most people I hear talk about. That's what they get stuck on is the inquiries. Um, and it's pretty common practice. You go buying a car and then a bunch of creditors look at your credit report as they're out, you know, trying to finance your loan. Uh, that is a common practice. But it's again, by the time we're done fighting these inquiries, the 12 months are going to be up and they don't affect the score anymore anyways. Like exactly. They're very rarely the focus of our, our efforts in, in our credit repair efforts is that, oh, let's focus on getting rid of these inquiries. No, it's generally not worth our time. Uh, we're generally not going to get them off anyways if they were they were legit um and by the time we're done fighting they're already 12 months old now that's not to say you know playing the devil's advocate here that's not to say that if you purchase a car on you know january 1st and that same auto lender still pulling inquiries up until mid-february then maybe you should want to fight them they should they, they should have no reason to continue pulling your credit at that point and i have seen it done sure okay Let's go ahead and deal with these. So, or actual fraudulent inquiries as well. Yes. Um, where you, you did not apply for credit. You did not authorize it at all, whether it was a written authorization, phone authorization, or online authorization. Like whether if it was actually a fraud-based inquiry, then you definitely want to challenge that. Um, of course. Of course. But it, for the most part, but don't worry about it. But for the most part, it. it's definitely uh, wasted energy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more... If you have credit problems, it's not because of inquiries. I've never in my life seen a credit a low score because of inquiries. There's always bigger problems to go after that are going to have a significantly higher impact on the score. So um, I think that kind of does it for this week's show. Sorry I tricked you for a second. <laughs> that, that... But it goes to show that it would even trick a seasoned credit expert for a second. You're well, like, wait it, a minute, that when doesn't you make sense. When you started reading the verbiage, the verbiage was similar to what is yes. actually on the Fair Credit Reporting Act. So I assumed that the that the quote was right. But I, I was thinking about it. You know, It's like, wait a minute, nah, that's not... You do give permission, and if you don't give permission, I know for a fact that they can do, and I did explain that, Yeah, they, they can do a promotional inquiry, so. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, um, you know, food for thought, guys. It can it, Sometimes things can trick us too, but we always go back to the source and verify it because that's our job. We, we have to get the, the, we have to get the accurate information. We, we just have to know it. Um, so in this particular case, it's just an example of there's a lot of crap out there. Don't believe everything that you read online. Um, you know, always go back to the source and double check it. If you guys want to run anything by through us, maybe some kind of misconception or something that you understand or misunderstand and want some clarity on, send us a, send us an email. It's theextracreditshow at gmail.com. Uh, we love answering questions like this because it's it's we get to hear what you guys are thinking. Um, so definitely reach out to us. And don't forget, we still have our um, free credit repair giveaway. Right. We've been talking about that for the last couple of episodes. We've had several interviews, great candidates. If this is the first time that you're hearing about it, check it out. 
we will give away free credit repair, full-blown credit restoration, everything included to one lucky listener who is willing to share their story. So we'll be picking it at the end of September, correct? We'll be picking them at the end of September. Um, it's uh, September 5th right now. So we got a couple of weeks, a couple more episodes. Uh, we want to share somebody's story, somebody that has a great story that we can share from beginning to end. We'll talk about your credit report on the show. Obviously, we're not going to give out personal details, but we do want a real report to show our listeners. Um, and then we want to document the journey of going from poor credit to great credit. It might, we don't know how long it'll take. It could take six months. It could take eight months. Um, you know, but it'll be a fun journey, I think, to document and show everybody out there how credit repair is done correctly, how it's possible even in the worst of situations to move your score uh, really high. So that's that's going to be the goal. If you guys are interested in, in that, send us an email again or reach out to us on social media, uh, Instagram at The Extra Credit Show, on Facebook as well at The Extra Credit Show, and just send us a note. We'll schedule a quick 10 to 20 minute interview. We'll look at your credit report um, and maybe you will be the best candidate for this free credit repair giveaway. So I want to thank everybody that's already submitted their story. I want to thank everybody who I've talked to on the phone about it. Um, and guys, just keep, one of you guys is going to get it. Uh, there's a couple of great candidates already that I really think they are going to get it. But if we, we, we are still accepting new applications, so let us know. So that goes into the extra credit task of the week. If you would like free credit repair and you feel you're a candidate, go ahead and forward us your story. And if you're not, then look. And but you know someone who might be, let them uh, let them know about our show and have them send us their our, their information. We yeah. may be able to assist them. That'd be really cool. And you don't have to be in our area. You know, we we have clients yeah. all over the country, oh, so yeah. we'll, we'll be able to help you even if you're not here in our local area. So don't even worry about that. Um, but that wraps it up for this week's show, um, guys. I am Anselmo Moreno. I'm Richard David. We'll see you guys next time.